0: Morning church. Morning. It's good to see you today and God is awesome. Amen. Amen. It's good to see you. if you're visiting with us today. We want to thank you for coming and being here and uh, I know we have quite a few visitors and I know a lot of people are out of town this weekend and you know summer's here and it's Memorial Day weekend of course. It means to a lot of people uh, maybe barbecues, maybe the start of summer, maybe it's vacation time, maybe it's school's out and praise God for that somebody says but that's really what we think of or many think of during Memorial uh, Day weekend. However, we know that uh, it's a holiday in which we have on our calendars that's marked, and it's um, it's to honor and respect those and pay honor to those that have done more than just served in the military. There's many in this room, including myself, that served in the military. My father served in World War II. I wear his tie today just to kind of honor him, but it's more than just saying thank you to all the servicemen and women that have fought uh, for our freedoms. But it's a, it's a time in which we really honor those that sacrificed and gave the ultimate sacrifice and laid down their life, actually, for the freedoms that we have in this great United States in which we are privileged to live. We salute them, we honor them, we respect them highly. We thank their families for the sacrifice. I suppose all of us in this room know someone that knows someone that's connected to someone that actually gave their life on the battlefield for our freedoms. Truly, 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 they have blessed us. We live in a blessed, blessed country. And I just want to say thank you to all of them. And all of you that serve today even, thank you so much. We appreciate that. Of course, as Christians now, we look at the side of being... Uh, the, the ultimate sacrifice that was given for us so that we also might have the freedoms that we have today the ultimate sacrifice was jesus put on the cross for our sins the sins of the world and when one accepts that then we have that uh, avenue of being in heaven with god forever and living this victory this victory that that causes us to to live in victory because of what jesus has done can i get an amen so, I want to talk about that a little bit today. You know, in my, um, I used to be a youth minister many years ago, been here almost 26 years, so this has been a while back. We used to sing a song sometimes that would kind of get the kids going. It's kind of in the morning, it's kind of just, a, you know, they're out there, there's kind of like whatever, you know, and so on. And, it, and their part was quite easy. Their part was rah, rah, rah. That's not too hard, is it? Is that too hard? Okay, so your part is rah, rah, rah. Can you say that? Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> All right, when I point to you, that's your part, okay? It's, not, it's a new song, man. This is, this is really hard. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I win the victory. Rah, rah, rah. Man, that sounded great, didn't it? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we win the victory. In the blessed name of Jesus, we win the victory. Very good. I'm not much of a singer, but you get the point. We win the victory in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen Amen and amen. And yet, even though we know that and we believe that, give me another amen. amen. All right, we believe that and we know that, and yet we challenge God. We not only challenge God, we offer excuses to God. We offer excuses, we, have, we doubt God, we question God, and we even refuse to obey God. And yet, even in the midst of all of that God, we have a God that wants to use us in His kingdom. Oh, what a mighty God we have. For the Scripture is right, but thanks be to God. And the church said? Amen. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord and Jesus Christ. Give me another amen. amen. Now we can almost go home, but not yet. I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. Someone asked General Douglas MacArthur, what was the most important lesson a soldier fighting a war needed to learn before going? MacArthur replied, he must learn quickly that there is no substitute for victory. And my friend, there is no substitute for victory In Jesus Christ. There is no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. Jesus is the victory for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. The question becomes on our journey together, on our journey together, the question becomes will God, can God use someone like me? Are you just on the bus, if you will? Are you just on the train, if you will? Are you just in this vehicle moving along, if you will, or is it that God can use someone like me? I have this question asked me often, is if I only knew what God wanted me to do, I'd just do it. Well, I think that falls in the category of perhaps even some would say of making another excuse because I just really don't know what God wants me to do in life. You know, God doesn't sit around and allow us to come up with ideas and simply say, well, God, I'm going to serve you this way. Is that all right? It's God saying to our spirits, this is what I want you to do. This is your assignment from me. God gives us assignments in our kingdom that he has given us. It comes from God. All good works, all good things come from God. And God wants us to be a part of this great big kingdom that we have right? even right here at Western Hills. Give me an amen. amen. So can God use someone like me? Elmer Towns tells of a, uh, of a story. He's a minister, and he tells of a time when there's this, this, this motorcycle gang dude gave his life to the Lord. Oh, it was a dr- I mean, it was just drastic. I mean, it was just a, a total surrender to the Lord. The following Sunday, no one at church knew this man at all, and the following Sunday, uh, he only knew what he should do is go to church the next Sunday. So he made his way in the building, and he made his way down the aisle and sat on the second roll, and there he sat, and all eyes of the church were on him because this man looked the part. He's big, burly guy. He had the long beard. He had the tattoos, had the long hair, and all the other stuff to go with motorcycle guys, I guess. Well, it came announcement time, and the pastor gets up, and he makes this announcement, and he says, we really need this, we need someone to work in the nursery. Do I have any volunteers among us? No one said anything. So he came back again, and he said, you know, we're really needing someone to help us in the nursery. Is there anyone that would please volunteer for this service? No one said anything. This motorcycle dude, he just bows his head and he prays, Lord, you know, I gave my life to you last week, and I just want to be a service in your kingdom. I, just, I don't know what it is that you want me to do, but if this is what you want me to do, have that preacher ask one more time for nursery attendance. Sure enough, the preacher said, folks, we're really in need of a nursery attendant. Would anyone please volunteer? immediately. He stood up, raised his hand, nodded, and started directly to the nursery, upon which 50 mothers followed volunteering to work in the nursery. <laughs> Sometimes some things in our life have to jolt us before we realize that God can use me. Those 50 mothers could have volunteered any What are we waiting on? What are you waiting on in your life? Who is it that God chooses to use? Is it only people that we read about in the Bible and all of a sudden after the Bible was written, God doesn't use people anymore? Can God use someone like me? Who is it that God chooses? Well, I'll tell you who He chooses, the ones He chooses to use. And my friend, if you are a child of God, He's chosen you for a reason. He's chosen you for a purpose. There's something in this ride together and this journey together that God has for you to do more than just sit on the bus. Now, when I say that, and I don't mean that disrespectful because there are many people that will come to our services and they need to sit on the bus for a while. Because many people that walk through our doors are broken by life. Their lives have been shattered by multiple things. Maybe things they've done or maybe what has been done to them and they're broken. It could be even another church just crushed their spirits. They need to come and sit on the bus and be nurtured and loved and loved up. But then there comes a time when the healing comes. You've got to get back in it. Where are you at in the midst of all of that? God usually chooses the most unlikely, he tells us, and I'm proof of that. There's no doubt. So today, I want to give you just a few minutes, spend a little, bit, a little bit of time with you, and find maybe some comfort in knowing that God can not only use you, but he longs to use you in his kingdom. Could you just prove that to me today? If you'll listen just for about 10 or 15 minutes, I... I, 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 I I just pray that God will touch your spirit today. Because I want to tell you something, on this journey together, we need everybody to be doing what everybody ought to be doing, to make the journey a greater success. Perhaps there's people that are lost right now that won't be lost if you would just do what God has called you to do. Oh, think about it. Think about it. So here we go. These stories I'm going to share with you, um, they're all stories that you know. And if if I were to name just the names of them, each person could probably tell a little bit about that individual. But here we go to set the stage. In Matthew chapter 14, Peter climbs out of the boat in the middle of the night, in the middle of a lake, in the middle of a storm, just because Jesus said, come. I'm amazed at what Peter did. It amazes me what Peter did. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses talking to the burning bush, which was the voice of God we know. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we read about a man named Naaman who had leprosy. When Elijah, a man of God, heard of this, he sent a messenger to Naaman and said, simply go dip seven times in the Jordan and you will be cleansed. I am amazed at what Naaman did and what people like Naaman still do today. In Acts chapter 9, Saul is on his way to Damascus. Of course, we know his name is Saul now, and and he's on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians when the Lord had other plans for his life. And I'm amazed at what Saul did. In the book of Jonah, is another one. We see where the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach against its wickedness. And I'm amazed at what Jonah did and people like Jonah do even today. Now, each of those, you could probably simply say, well, I know what you're going to talk about. I think you're probably going to talk about their failures. And when was Peter when he began to sink and he took his eyes off the Lord? Or or when he talked about Moses and he says, I can't do it. Or maybe Naaman when he went away angry because it was just too much to ask for him to take a bath in a muddy pond. Or maybe Saul when he cried out, who are you, Lord? Lord? Or maybe when it's Jonah when he just <laughs> ran away all together. Just said, I'm out of dodge. Yes, I have to admit that I have seen in each of these men failures. There is no doubt. Failures in their own ways, but I am so thankful that Scripture didn't hide the failures of individuals that God chose. Why am I thankful that God allows the failures of men that did great things for Him? Why did God, and I'm so thankful for Him, allowing that to be put into Scripture? Because when I read of their failures, there's hope for me. There's hope for me to be able to be better than what I am, to be more than I think that I am, to do and to be something in God's kingdom. But on the other hand, they did do what they were meant to do, each of these men that I mentioned. They did do what they were meant to do. I believe that is the key for us on our journey together, for us to do what we are meant to do. So the question comes, simply put before you, as John said, a challenge before you is, are you doing what God is meant for you to do? Can you tell me what it is that God has meant for you to do while you're here? The time that you have left here on this planet and you being a child of God, do you know what it is that God has meant for you to do and are you doing it? Now we can skip by that real quick because you can simply say, well, I'm at church and that's good enough. Thank you very much. Let's go home. But we are in a battle as David pointed out in his class so well today. We are in a battle, and God says, I have something for you to do. For us to win this battle and for us to be successful on our journey together, I have something for you to do. Are you willing to do it? That's a question for all of us. Weren't there other disciples in the boat? Sure there were. I don't see where any one of them got out on the water. I don't see where any of them walked on water, do you? Moses went after all, did he not? Naaman changed his mind and returned and took his seven dips in the Jordan, didn't he? And Saul, now Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he changed his course, didn't he? So much so that he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Jonah, after taking a whale of a ride, went to Nineveh, and the whole city was converted. What an evangelist. There's not a greater one in Scripture except for Jesus himself. Perhaps the disciples on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were baptized. But he walks through the city and the whole city was converted. And he got mad about it. It's an amazing story. If you haven't read it, well, it takes take you about 20 minutes. So what I see in each of these men, I see in many of us today, all of us actually, You know, around our country right now, there's graduations going on, high school and college graduations, this month and next month. And all of that, and and these great speakers and whatever will come, and they will give their little speech, and they will try to encourage and say, you've done a good job, now it's the real world, get out there and get after it. But in each of those, just as a good coach or a parent or a teacher will do, what they're trying to do is they're trying to tell them there's a thing called potential with inside of you. And that potential with inside of you is so wonderful. It's been planted there. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to challenge all of those graduates to bring that potential to the forefront so that we will be blessed as well as you. Because those high school students that are graduating today, and you look at them and you're thinking, no way will they be able to do what we need done for us. And trust me, they said the same thing about us when we graduated. I promise you they said that about me when I graduated. They said, no way. So in that process, there's a potential. And I want to tell you today that within us, God sees what's in us, inside of us what we don't see again parents good coaches and teachers always see a potential they see that potential with inside that student or that child or that player and they reach with inside of them and they somehow stir them enough just to bring it to the surface While the world might beat them up, they're saying, no, it's there. I know it's there. Just keep at it. Just keep going. It's there. It's there. It's there. And before you know it, it blossoms. And when it does, some of you teachers have been teaching for a long, long time. You've tried to do that with almost all of your students, if not all of them. And it doesn't work all the time. But the ones that have, oh, it's a wonderful thing to see. It's a wonderful thing to see when I was teaching out a lot in Christian Academy for years out there in Bible, and there was a student that I had, and she was a little, I, I, more like me. She, was, she had trouble reading and things like that and struggles. And I mean, she had a, her, her teeth were really messed up, and the parents couldn't afford it. Somebody was paying her tuition out there, and she, she could just see within her there was these great things. So I talked with an individual that knew a dentist, and well, anyway, we worked all that through, and finally got everything done, and I mean it changed everything about her. Not just looks, it just changed her appearance, her outlook, her raising her hand, and her answering questions, and all those things. I hadn't seen her for years and years, and one day I was at the hospital, and I pushed a button, opens this door, and there's this beautiful smile right in front of me. And she steps on the elevator, and I said, I think I know you, don't I? She said, you sure do, Mr. Davidson, taught me in class. And she began to tell me that she was a nurse and what it is that she had went through and how God had blessed her life and and how she now has children and and how it is that the the stories that you may have told and how how those things touched and how you had confidence and how you could see something in me that I never saw before. I want to tell you, that does something good for you deep down inside. You teachers out there, you know that, don't you? Shake your head up and down I mean, yes. God sees the potential in you that you don't even know theirs yet. These kids that are left out of here today, there's potential in every one of them. And our responsibility to them is to encourage them and love them and nurture them and just say, come on, yes, you can. You can be that song leader. You can be that teacher. You can be that preacher. You can be that deacon. You can be that elder. You can be that bus driver, whatever it is that God wants you to be because I can see that potential inside of you. We've seen Alex today. Alex's birthday today is fourteen. I wished him happy birthday and stuff like that. I remember Alex and uh, Mark and Lori and and, and their son, of course, and and, and I remember when he was born. I didn't see a lot of potential. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But they've done a great job, and I'm so thankful for that. I remember up him singing and doing those little things. It was just great. See, great potential there. One day he may be standing here, Maybe leading even larger groups to come to know the Lord. I just, got, I just got that hope within me that's there. Sorry I got sidetracked, but nonetheless, it's my preaching. Here we go. Peter challenged God. If it's you, let me come. Moses offered an excuse to God. Huh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Naaman doubted God. He went away angry. Saul questioned God. Who are you, Lord? And Jonah refused God altogether and headed for Tarshish. I'm going to go, no problem. He gets a ticket to the other direction. Think about that. But listen to me. There's good news. That's what you come for today. Because the gospel is good news. Give me an amen. So here's the good news. The good news is this. If you've done that on your journey or are doing that on our journey together in life, God can and does use people that challenge him, that offer excuses, that doubt him, that question him, and even refuse him at first. You're looking at one. I've done every single one of those things. Every single one of those things. And I would almost guarantee you that you have too. It tells me God hasn't given up on us yet. It tells me we got a great big God that loves us still. The stories that I've given you today proves that, does it not? We would have rejected all of them. You refuse me, you're out of here. Get somebody else. You doubt me, I'm God. You doubt me, boom, you're toast. Because God could have done that. You question me? How dare you question me, God? You refuse to go? That's how what God could do. But that's not what God did do. And that God, that same God today, doesn't want to do that to you either if you're doing any of these things. None. What He did with these men is what I'm saying is He wants to and He longs to do in us. We just got to capture it. We got to see that vision. We got to see that hope. We got to have that desire deep within us. But he longs to do it with us if we do what each of these men finally did. That is the key. That is the key. What did they do? They eventually, some of them took a little bit longer than others, some of them took a whale of a ride. But they all eventually surrendered to God. A surrender to God. There's certain names in history that if you just throw them out there, you know them. I mean, it's just boom. I mean, just like, let's just think maybe um, uh, JFK, John F. Kennedy. You, 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 if you're, you just know, it's just like poof, Ronald Reagan, poof, Harley Davidson, poof. But there's just names that you throw out there that you can just recognize. You know, Bill Smith. Huh? See what I'm saying? There's a name that I threw out there, and his name's Billy Graham. Everybody knows. Anybody not know Billy Graham? Sure you do. It's a name that's just recognized when you say his name. You may like him or not like him, but he had a simple truth in his message. Taught millions of people the simple truth. God created the world. He placed man in it. Man sinned. You've sinned. There's a place called hell. Sin sends you to hell. But Jesus takes you to heaven. Pretty simple. Pretty simple truth. Right across the board. I find it fascinating. I've read about a lot about him and his books and different things. He has a wonderful book on angels. Ain't no angels around. Oh, really? You can be entertaining one and not even know it. Ha ha. Nonetheless, he wrote this in one of his books. As a, as a young man, he said, God, this is what he told God, God, let me do something, anything for you. Pretty simple, straightforward, isn't it? God, let me do anything, something just for you. Little did he know, I'm sure, when he was young and he said those words, the journey that God was going to take him on. And I'm here to tell you today and challenge you today, if you will just simply say those words as well, God, Let me do something just for you. You may not know all the things that he's going to do in your life on that journey, but I promise you, when you surrender all, God will take control of the bus. And he will take you places that you've never thought possible in your life. In other words, I surrender to you. You say, well, it was probably pretty easy for those guys and it was probably easy for like a Billy Graham or other people that you might come up with. Well, do you think it was easy for a well-known fisherman to get out of a boat? Knowing that anything that was thrown into the water is going to sink? Of course not. It wasn't easy. But he did it and he did it right in front of all of his friends. Imagine that wonder what they thought about what in the world is he he got out of the boat is he nuts I don't know but he's lost but I ain't getting out I don't know what was said something was said because his friends watched him do you think it was easy for the man with nothing more than a cane watch this one of nothing more than a cane to walk into Pharaoh's palace that could have his head on a platter in an instant to walk into the palace and said oh excuse me God said Let my people go. Think it was easy? Of course not. But he did it. He did it. Do you think it was easy for a commanding general four-star, if you will? Brad's good to see you today. A four-star to say, if you will, to be told to go to take a bath in a mud puddle, take a dip in a mud puddle, if you will? Not once, not twice, but look, just, just once. No, no, seven times. And yet he did it front of all his soldiers with him think it was easy for who thought that was going to do the right thing in all of this do you think it was easy for the man who thought he was doing right who could ride into any city with the army by his side to later be let down in a bread basket and escape for his life think it was easy of course not but again he wrote two-thirds of the new testament Do you think that it was easy for a man to get spit up on the shoreline by a whale and then walk through the city with whale slime all over him? Because i got to just believe if you're in the belly of a whale for three days, you got to have some whale belly slime on you. You know what I'm saying? Maybe not. God can do whatever God, too, can do, right? Well, that's not really a true story. (laughs) When you get to heaven and ask Jonah if it was true or not, but here he is, and his responsibility was to go through with his slime all over. I'm, I just i picture that. He's got this slime all over, and he's going up to everybody, and everybody he sees walking through the town, He need a change. Turn or burn, buddy. And he goes through. Think it was easy for him to do that? No, but he did it. Now what about us? Ha ha, here we go you got to give them some meat. So here it is. Put that scripture up, if you would, please. 1 Peter chapter 4. Watch this one. Each of you should, each of you. It doesn't say some of you, selected few, every now and then, if you feel like it, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Now watch this. I like dissecting verses because they take on a whole new thing for me. But each of us have been given something by God. Give me an amen. But do you believe that? See, it's real easy when I ask you to say amen, but the amen, you know what amen means? It means let it be so. That's what it means. So each of you have been given this gift, and that gift has been given so that you might serve others. Get that? To serve up, take my seat. Can I help you? What is it that you're in need of? What's the church in need of? What's the call? What's the challenge? All of those things, God gives us that. So then He breaks it down and He could go on and on and on and on, but He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides. But in all of the things, remember one thing, is to give God glory and praise for it forever and ever. Amen and amen. Now that's powerful. You know what the problem with that verse is for us? Is that first part, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Your gift not somebody else's gift. Normally, we don't like the gift that we have. We want the gift that someone else's has. That's the one I want, and you didn't give it to me. That's what we do as humans. We do that a lot. Trust me. It's jealousy, envy, pride, a lot of stuff bound together in there. For instance, if I were to give you, every one of you, let's say it's Christmas, and I were to select every one of you, and I gave you a gift, and I gave some of you a model car set or a plane set, I gave some of you a slinky or a Barbie doll, but I chose that gift just for you. When you opened it up, you see, oh, it's from Harley, and you get a slinky, but you wanted a Barbie doll. But that's not what I gave you. I gave you what I gave you, and God has given you what He's given you, just as God has given me what He's given me. There's a story, so i got to tell this real quick. There's a story of a missionary who was in Africa. Since we're going to be doing this African safari thing, starting next week, this whole thing is going to be transformed. So come and be a part of that. And then that following week will be Vacation Bible School for all our kids. But this story is about a mission, missionary in Africa. So they get there, and they're doing all the things to do, and teaching the Word of God and all this other. And one of the things that they were going to do there was supply clothing for some of the kids many as they could. So they brought in these huge crates of shorts, khaki shorts. The kids lined up as far as the eye could see. All day long they handed out these khaki shorts. Every kid in line got a pair of khaki shorts. At the end of the day, everybody's exhausted. Go home, come back tomorrow if you didn't get shorts. So they come back the next day. The line is as long as it can be. But that day, the second crate that they opened, it, there were khaki shorts, but the difference from the first day is they had pockets on the side of their khaki shorts. The first day, no pockets. They gave them all out. On the third day, the kids that got the khaki shorts on the first day came back and simply asked, where's my pockets? A lot of us are asking God that. Where's my pockets? And God is simply saying, I've given you what I've given you, use what I give you, and see what I can do with that through you on your journey. I know i got to wrap this real quick, but here goes. On our journey, it may be that God is wanting you to give something up. This is why many people have problem finding their spot in the kingdom of God because they are unwilling to give up their spot in the world. You do not get the victory in Jesus before you give up the world. It just doesn't come. You can't serve two masters. can't be done. You love one and hate the other. And turning loose can be very difficult. I'm not telling you it's easy. It can be very difficult. Does he want you to give up something that you have been hanging on to so that you can use the gift that he's given you for his glory? So think about it. Perhaps it's the relationship that you're having right now that is not right that God wants you to give up it 's that person that just seemingly drains you every time you get around there 's no positive there 's no uplifting there 's no encouragement there 's none of those things. It is, does nothing to enhance your script or your, your spiritual life whatsoever and it 's just pulling you down and every time you leave, you feel totally drained is God saying you need to spend a little less time with that individual because there 's something I have planned for you. It's hard to let go, but God may be telling somebody that today. Is God wanting you to stop cheating? How about Oklahomans? Gambling? Complaining? Is He wanting you to change your lifestyle to His instead of you trying to change His to yours? Listen to me. God doesn't change His mind. If it's written in His Word, it's solid. It's done. It's a done deal. He ain't going to go one day. Well, you know, I wrote that and I said that, but I don't know if I really mean that or not. See, that's what the world wants. The world wants us. They want to change God to their way of thinking. And listen, once again, you can write laws and enforce laws, but if it doesn't line up with God's truth, (laughs) you better be careful. Is He wanting you to work on your marriage? Is he wanting you to show a little more compassion, a little more love, a little more respect to your coworkers, your family members, and church members? Is he wanting you to give more, attend more, praise more, teach more, care more, do something more? And I have a bunch of more on there if you want them. Is that what he's wanting? Is he wanting you, and listen closely, is he wanting you to finally surrender? To finally surrender to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've you've been wanting to give your life to Jesus for a long time now. But can someone just step in and tell you there's sin? If there's sin in your life, God longs to remove that sin. He won't make you, but He has given His Son so that you can have it removed. If you will accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. That's what Scripture says. Is he tweaking your heart today in that area? Maybe it's the area of baptism, a new birth thing. You know, I've heard a lot about that. I've seen people do that. I don't know if it's really necessary for my life. Listen, the cleansing of the washing is a wonderful thing because it represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it represents your death, your burial, your resurrection, your new life, and get this. As he takes out the old, he puts something else in. And you know what he puts in? He doesn't put in the world. He doesn't put in the nature of the world. He puts his nature in called the Holy Spirit. And now you can accomplish more than you ever ask or imagine according to him who lives within us. Ephesians 3.20. See, I just believe that he is trying to tell many of us, many of us on our journey today in life from our burning bushes and our dips in the river and our blindness and in our whale rides to quit. Parents, did you if you've if you've had teenagers, I can almost promise you, use these, you've used these words quit. Is he just saying quit to somebody today? Quit challenging me, quit offering excuses, quit doubting, quit questioning, and quit refusing, and start surrendering to me. For that is precisely when God used all the people that we talked about in Scripture today. And that is precisely when God will use you in His kingdom today. When we do that, we can be, we can be overcomers. That's when we are overcomers. It is victory, 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 victory in Jesus if we will surrender and surrender all. Maybe today we can help you in some way. We offer just a a, a quick invitation song just for you. If you need to respond in any way today, just come. We'll be there for you. We're not here to judge you. We're here to love you. And whatever your need is, we stand ready to help you right now. Together we stand and sing. Come on.